Many of us have been impacted by America's criminal justice system and have witnessed firsthand its destructive impact on individuals, families, and communities. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. Today, I'm having a conversation with author and journalist Patrice Gaines and filmmaker Shaquita Lockley about their inspirational short film, Masterclass, The Patrice Gaines Story. The film highlights the impact of the criminal justice system through the life and lens of Patrice Gaines. I have seen this film and notably it sparks conversation about the power of change, changing ourselves and changing our society, specifically the criminal justice system. I hope you're inspired by my conversation with Patrice Gaines and Shaquita Lockley and see why it is so important for us to tell our stories. See show notes for more information about Patrice Gaines and Shaquita Lockley. As always, please do subscribe to the Empowerment Zone podcast. Also, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Your support will ensure that we continue our journey in empowerment and impact. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone, where we're all about empowerment and impact. And today we're featuring the arts. Uh, we have a documentary filmmaker Shaquita Lockley and author and journalist Patrice Gaines with us today. I had the pleasure of uh, getting to see the screening of the documentary Masterclass, The Patrice Gaines Story, which was hosted uh, by Miss Gaines' daughter, Andrea Carter, and some of her friends got together to have the screening in Atlanta, and I had the opportunity to attend. And so um, I was very moved by the by the presentation and the documentary and the discussion following, and I invited these two ladies uh, to be on the empowerment zone today. So, welcome, Shaquita and Miss Gaines. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So, um, before we get into uh, the documentary film uh, about the Patrice Gaines story. Can you two tell us a little bit uh, about yourself? Ms. Gaines, can you start and tell us a little background about you? Sure. Um, I grew up as the oldest of seven in a middle-class black family. My father was one of the first Marines um, in this country. And then, um, but I also grew up as a young woman who, as I always say, didn't love herself because grew up at a time when you know, in the fifties dealing with real segregation um, and just trying to figure out what it meant to be a, a young colored girl at that time. I eventually discovered writing, uh, which I say saved my life because it gave me a way of expressing myself, um, you know, that allowed me to release stress, frustration uh, with this country. So I began to write, ended up becoming a journalist, ended up becoming a reporter at the Washington Post. But before I got there, I had uh, a troubled, uh, a, a, a troubled youth, I guess you'd say. And that's what part of this is about. Um, got involved in drugs, started shooting heroin, got busted, went to jail. 
but became a convicted felon, which um, changed my life in, in lots of ways because it was my introduction to what our uh, judicial system can do to individuals and what it does particularly to black people and black and brown people really in this country. Um, and so, you know, what I was able though to become this reporter, become this journalist, work at the Washington Post, which was seen as, you know, major success. And um, that's kind of it. I guess the story kind of traces, you know, the, my, uh, the spiral and the, and the rise of my life. Thank you. So Shaquita, can you uh, share a little bit uh, about your background? Um, yes, for sure. And again, thank you so much for, for sharing your platform with us. Um, so I'm from a little town in South Georgia. It's called Jessup, Georgia, not too far from Savannah, not too far from Jekyll Island, St. Simons Island. And I um, came up to Atlanta to go to school at Spelman, where I um, graduated with a degree in English. And one of my professors said to me, because um, I was pre-law, so she says, Ms. Lockley, I hate to break it to you, but you should go into creative writing because you are not going <laughs> to pass my class. So gotta love your HBCU professors. Um, she was 100% right. I shifted gears my last year of college um, and shifted to film and creative writing, storytelling. And I went to Emory, got a master's in film studies. And since that time, I've been in the, uh, before it was called creating content. That's how old I am. Um, you were just <laughs> making videos and telling stories. Um, so whatever company I landed at, I would always be the one to make the videos to tell the stories of the, the companies. And then that in turn um, turned into television and film work. So most recently I had my documentary, Eggs Over Easy, Black Women in Fertility to air on the Oprah Winfrey <laughs> Network, which was earlier this year, uh, like January, 2022. And my passion project, which we are one year out actually from, from um, our film date, but it's Masterclass, the Patrice Gaines story, um, which is a short film based on um, Patrice Gaines' book. So I'm very excited about that and where it's going. We did a festival maybe a month or so ago. And so now the festivals are rolling in. We just got accepted. Surprise, Mama P. We just got accepted into another one this week. <laughs> so um, I'm very excited about where that's going. And our whole intention of it is for this short to be picked up and produced into a feature based on our book, Laughing in the Dark, because this woman is a powerhouse, a wealth of knowledge. I could talk forever um, just about how she created the life that she wants and uses that to bless so many other people um so everybody needs to be aware of her story the work she's done the work that her hands is still on um so that's where we're going with it well i am uh really honored to have both of you here the filmmaker and the subject of the film uh, on on our show to dis discuss um this work so let's begin by talking to you, Shaquita, first. Um, in terms of the Patrice Gaines story, what made you choose that as your uh, topic for your documentary? Um, so it's a, it's a short film. We didn't do a doc on it. But the reason that um, I chose the story, back in the 90s when I was still at Spelman, 
um, Mama P, that's what we affectionately call her, and her daughter, um, Andrea, who had gone to Spelman a couple years before, um, before I was there. They were on the Oprah Winfrey show, which was a huge, huge deal. And so from that, I picked up the book in my 20s, read it, gleaned from it, went on about my life. In my 40s, rereading this book, was a, it was a different book for me. Um, and I saw it wasn't, uh, not that it was surfaced before, but, you know, a woman has life happen to her and that version is not what I took away when I was in my 40s. It was completely different. It had so many layers. I had lived a little bit and I was like screaming to the rafters. Everybody needs to read this book. Who hasn't read this book? Everybody go read this book. And then for a window of time, she was very active on Twitter. And so just the gems that she would drop, I'm like, everybody, who, why don't we know? Why don't we know this story? And gratefully, I'm very grateful that because I know her daughter, I had access to her in the story, but I just figured like somebody should be telling this story. And then one day I realized like we are the ones who would need to tell the story. If it's going to get out there, it has to start somewhere. And so if I have access to telling it, you know, no, I can't wait for other people to tell it. And in her story is so compelling. And I think it will help so many women because part of it, um, not just her humility with which she or the way that she walks through life with such humility, um, which I think of course helps people, but the hard part was so, so hard. And especially with COVID happening, people have been going through some really hard, dark moments. Mm -hmm. And if there is an example of a way um, or, or a path that someone has taken to get to the finish line to see the light at the end of the tunnel it will be mama p and so i just thought everybody should know this story thank you so much for sharing and also thank you for that correction that it's actually a short film and not yes. a documentary because language does matter uh even though i do know the difference between the two but thank you very much for for correcting me on that. And I totally agree with you, um, just as a historian, that it's important for us to tell our own stories and to interpret our own stories. You know, um, many times the voiceless remain voiceless because no one is out there telling their stories. So um, I totally agree with you on that. And um, thank you for sharing the fact that the way we read a book one day is different from the way we read a book another way. That's why sometimes, you know, you have to read that book a couple of times. I know there are several books that uh, really changed uh, or influenced my philosophies after I read it a second time. And, and it's because we're all in an evolutionary process and as we evolve, our, our minds evolve, our, our spirit spirits evolve, and we take in things differently than what we used to, you know. So thank you so much for sharing. So, uh, Miss Gaines, you are the topic of uh, the documentary and, um, you know, being a writer and a journalist, you know the importance of telling your own story. So tell us, why did you decide to write the book, Laughing in the Dark? It's funny, uh, when Quita mentioned being in your 40s, I actually uh, wrote it when I was in my 40s uh, because I don't think I could have written it before then. Um, you know, I, I wanted to write it before then, but I just don't think I would have been able to. So um, 
but wrote it in my 40s uh, because I it was I, I at that by that point I understood that um, rather than just living my life being ashamed of my past that in fact as I, I say when you share the past sometimes a, a burden becomes a gift so what I saw was that when I shared this story it was encouraging to people um, it was inspiring um, and it certainly wasn't you know I certainly didn't live it for that purpose or think of it at that time um, that it that that would be you know where it would land but it did and so you know I wanted to say that when you are certainly when you feel lost and you make bad decisions quite often but also that there are reasons um, that you do this to you know you need to look at yourself reflect on yourself in my case it this meant going to a, ther a therapist you know and nowadays people are beginning finally to talk about mental health um, and at the time that i chose you know to go to, to a therapist, no one was talking about it. And in fact, even in my family, it was just seen as something we just don't do. Um, but I, I, I knew that the life I was living, the people that I was, that I turned to for advice, that wasn't uh, helping me change. I needed to do something different. And when I looked at some folks who mentioned, um, you know, going to a therapist, I thought this is something I need to do so I, I did that I began that process I um, you know I had to change my friends because I was shooting drugs and I was surrounded by people who did the same thing and you know and people who stole and people who just were not really living the kind of life that I saw myself wanting in the future but what really changed me um, really was being busted in my case um, you know being busted for heroin being charged with possession of heroin with intent to distribute um, and being labeled a, a um, felon. It changed me. It changed me though, because I was facing the possibility of being separated from my daughter, who I felt like um, was the uh, only thing good I had done in this life was to create her. And I felt that being a mother to her was something that I could do, that I could do that well, that I had worked hard at it. And so just the idea that I would be separated from her, not just selfishly, you know, that I would miss, but that I would also miss the opportunity to kind of, to uh, try to share what I did know of life and what I was learning with her, you know, that that was important to me. I didn't want to leave that up to somebody else. So I was terrified at the thought of being separated for a long period from her. And that was what made me really begin to dig and look at how does one change their life? You know, what does that mean? All the different things it means, you know, changing, um, because it's, it's hard to suddenly change how you look at yourself, how you see yourself, particularly in a society that worships whiteness and maleness, uh, you know, to as a black woman to find the love for yourself um, can be difficult and so it took a number of years it took a number of years but um i worked at it hard and i understand that you do have to work at it and particularly in this society i mean you have to stay alert stay on it you know you have to uh, give yourself time to be with yourself and that was one thing i had not done because i was constantly running from what I 
thought um, who I thought I was, uh, running from my unworthiness, running, you know, just running always. And so it, it took some years of just being still and, and saying, all of this attention, all this energy, I'm going to turn it on myself and see, you know, and dig deep and figure out how I create a different life than the one I had at this time. So writing the book was therapeutic for you then? It was therapeutic, but I didn't do it for that reason. It became therapeutic in, in the writing. I didn't know it was going to be. Um, you know, I knew that I wanted to help other people. I, I saw, I began to see, I guess, the treasure in the story, um, began to see where the story could bless other people. And then there was a part of me that wanted to say also uh, to people who did not believe that folks like me changed, who did not believe, say, that a Black person with a convicted felony charge could change their life, uh, could be a Washington Post reporter, could be a good mother, you know, could be a good citizen. I wanted to write something to show them as well that that's true, that a person can change that much. So it was for those people who needed to change and those people who need to believe that those people can change. Yeah, you, you know, change, as you stated, change is difficult. But as Malcolm has taught us, everybody has the opportunity to change. I mean, when you look at where Malcolm was to what he became, he's the premier example of change. And his sharing his story has influenced all of us, you know, those who want to change. And like you said, those who look at others thinking they cannot change. And so it's great that you saw that story in your own story uh, to be able to influence and empower others through your own life. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, but uh, when a friend of mine who became an agent thought that I should write a book uh, just based on my writing, I looked everywhere at everybody else's story. I, I must have sent like three proposals that were about other people. And then, and then I just happened to write an essay for the Washington Post that was after I had uh, gone to a court to cover a murder, I think it was, or a trial of a young black man. And I looked at these young black girls who were in the audience or in the, you know, in the courtroom. And I thought, you know, they were just like me. Um, because those were the kinds of guys I was attracted to. And so I started talking to some of them. And then that's when I realized I needed to write something for them. And uh, I wrote this essay at first and, and admitting to some of the things that had happened to me and saying that at that time, our society was really focused on young black boys who they were saying were fatherless, the lost generation. You know, we always come up with these terms. But they were totally ignoring the young girls. The, and so I thought, no, you, you can't do that. Um, you know, if there's a young black boy, there is generally a young black girl who loves him. And you need to remember her as well. And so I wrote that essay and then agents called me. And so it was only then that I thought, oh, you know, my, my story really has some value. I had begun to speak it to people at drug rehab programs, you know, at transitional houses for people who are coming out of prison, but I had not written it. 
So Shaquita, uh, tell us about the film. Uh, you know, a book is hard to interpret and there are key things, key uh, moments, I guess you could say that you have to figure out which moment you want to feature, especially in a short film. It's hard enough doing it in two hours uh, or an hour and a half. So tell us, tell us about uh, the film. Okay. So my process with the film, um, and to your point, yes, 100%. This should be a feature film. This will, I'll just speak it. This will become a feature film and get the 90 to 120 <laughs> minutes that it deserves and warrants. Now, for my, budget, <laughs> my personal budget. Agreement. Thank you. <laughs> right. So my personal budget was for a short film um, because I paid out of pocket. And in looking at how to tell the most, tell this story in the most succinct way, but still pack a powerful punch so that we could show the layers of like what was happening and then also who she was as a person when it started and and the transformation um to get to the end of it and what I did was I picked out the scenes that I thought would be strong and then I called her um and we went back and forth it was a collaborative effort we spent probably a couple months just looking at okay well this tells a story but it does there's something that could be better like we can tighten it up a little bit so we went back and forth and for anyone who reads the book um mama p's voice is very very clear and i didn't want to dilute that i didn't want to take away from like she's telling the story how it she intends for it to to be um received and i didn't want to mess that up so that was a little bit nerve-wracking because I just didn't want to <laughs> But we went back and forth and she was very open and very honest like a school teacher. So she would mark it up like, no, no, no. And then like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so from that, we whittled it down. I want to think it was maybe like 30 pages that needed to get down to 12 pages. Um, So over time, we were able to just keep massaging it until it was um just about 12, 12 to 15 pages, which was kind of half of where we started. But we were still able to hit the main story, which was the arrest and then um tell our, our show why that was so crazy that a drug mule charge, which these black women and young girls are still catching today, mm -hmm. or it's not even their charge to take, really. Yeah. Yep. Um, but nothing has changed in that many years. Um, and it was important to to say that to to make that message clear, and then to kind of summarize in the early eighties the next case that she um that she was a journalist a, a, a part of as a journalist to tell the story, the McDuffie story, like nothing has changed from then to now some things have changed but in the big picture things haven't changed and so we do need to keep working yes there's a light at the end of the tunnel but we have to work to find the light at the end of the tunnel and so the hope with it being a short was just to say this there's nothing new under the sun people have had these experiences before um and this is one way that you can find your way to a better end yeah, it's definitely uh, still a continuation of the past. I was in uh, court uh, maybe two years ago. Yeah, right before the COVID and watched women take the heat on Black women. This one Black woman took the heat and was being locked up. And even the judge was proposing questions cause to try to help her get out of it. And she continued uh, to take the heat. Um, so, and went on and took the charge, but 
So I just say that to say I've, I've witnessed it as well. So I'm curious, I'm gonna ask you both the same question from a different perspective uh, and hear both of you pers your per perspectives. Shaquita, what do you want people to learn from the film? A couple things, and I'll, I, I like to, well, I don't actually know if I've publicly said it, but I wanna, I'd like to say this. One of the things that the book and hopefully it comes across in the film helped me do was um, understand my mother as a person and not just as like a title. Um, it helped me understand her better and it helped me be able to see her, like actually see her as a teen mom, as a 19 year old mom, and not as just the person who didn't do all the stuff right, who wasn't all the things that I would have put on my checklist, but who was probably doing the very best that she could do. And it took this story for me to like step away and see my own personal life experience, um, this woman as a woman and not just as the tag of mother. So one of the things that I hope people walk away with is just looking at the people who are close to you, the people who are in your life and seeing them not as like how you imagine they should be or what like a television show says they should be, but who they are in their own humanity um, and offer them some grace. So that's that's the first thing. And then the second thing, this needs to be a feature film. So I will keep and continue to circle back to that, Um, that I would like for someone who has budget <laughs> to walk away from this film saying we need to work to make this a feature. Thank you. Um, man, that's something that's powerful to say. You want to accept your mother for who she is. Um, a lot of times we critique our parents when they're doing the best with what they have at that moment. And, um, <clears throat> so that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Ms. Gaines. <clears throat> so Ms. Gaines, um, tell us, what do you want people to learn from your autobiography and the film? Well, um, a couple of things. One, there's, you know, the human story uh, and, and just believing that uh, when things seem very dark, uh, when you are your harshest critic and are feeling worthless, that all of that can change and you have the power to change that. That we have power that I think we just don't even, you know, we can't even imagine uh, the power we have and what we're capable of doing. but that you, just to know that you can change that, don't give up. And the other thing is my work has been um, for years now, decades, as Quita knows, uh, working to change our uh, judicial system, our corrections, as they call it, um, system. I am an abolitionist. I do not believe in prisons. And that's, you know, and that's another whole, a whole conversation, but it's because I don't believe that we can keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking what we have to get to what would really work because our foundation is so uh, wrong based on such horrible ideas and based on 
white supremacy and the worthlessness of some people. And just, we can't just keep tweaking that. So I want people to also be inspired to work for change in this country, work on, you know, really dramatic change. Uh, something that I, I, I've been working on a piece now about a murder case I worked on for years as a reporter and where I talk about how young black people are snatched off the streets because I believe that, you know, we are now beginning to pay attention when they are gunned down by police officers, but we don't understand how many people are snatched off the streets every day silently, um, you know, in the dark, I snap, drug out of their, out of their um, families' houses and, and, you know, shipped away, I say, for the rest of their lives. Um, we don't understand that. We don't seem to pay attention to that, but it happens. And so I want people to also look at this and be inspired to make that change and understand because that so many of those people who now live on the other side, as I call it, uh, you know, behind the barbed wire or in these, what I consider cages, are people with great potential, um, you know, people who could save us for all we know, but we don't see their value. So there's a different way of um, treating humanity. And I, so I want people to be inspired to work to make those changes as well. And, and thank you for sharing the two aspects of change that you want to inspire. Individual change in terms of letting people know they have the power to change. They just have to use their own power. And then secondly, being a change advocate in our community and world and inspiring them to want to make a change to make the world better, but specifically within the judicial system. Uh, which uh, is so much we can say, like you said, that's a whole nother topic of about the abuse of the judicial system and its detrimental effects on uh, particularly African-American and uh, Latino, Latina American communities. Uh, that is not to say no other communities are affected, but we know that it has uh, detrimental effects and even ripple effects mm -hmm. within our own communities. So thank you for sharing mm -hmm. uh, that inspiration. So Shaquita, uh, for those of uh, the audience who are, who are interested in seeing the film, can you tell us how they can see the film? So right now the film is not available. We're doing the festival circuit. We have a another festival coming up, the Kwanzaa Film Festival that starts on the first step Kwanzaa. Um, and the hope is at the top of the year, um, we'll have more outlets available to, for screenings. What strategies do you feel like students need in order to ensure their success in college? Ms. Gaines, could you please tell us what school or schools did you attend? What were your major or majors? Uh, and your degree or degrees, and then what strategy would you give students to ensure that they're successful in college? And Shaquita, uh, immediately following her answer, can you give us yours, please, as well? 
I always say I have so much education and no degree because <laughs> I would go wherever I would live. I'd go to college. I went to the University of the District of Columbia. I went to Warren Wilson College to work on a master's in fine arts and creative writing. I was um, noise. So I am a big advocate of higher education, and I know that you attended college, uh, Shaquita. So Shaquita Lockley, can you uh, share a strategy or strategies for college success? But before you do so, tell us what college or colleges did you attend? What was your major or majors and degree or degrees? And then what strategy would you give students to ensure that they're successful in college? Yes. So I am a graduate and alumna of the number one HBCU in the country. That would be Spelman College. But no, no. <laughs> My degree is in English with a concentration in writing. And then I went on to get a master's um, in film studies from Emory University. And if I had to speak to students today, I would tell them the the primary strategy that I would offer is that they network because you're in you're, you're in college already so your grades are probably okay um you know your path so you're probably all right there getting to that path and getting a crack in the door so you can actually get a job to work in your 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 desired field that takes networking and I think sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on that it is oftentimes who you know and the impression that you leave on these people um when you meet them so that would be my um my tip if I had one to give just to make sure you are networking in addition to keeping your grades up um meeting people and putting yourself out there so that you can get employment well thank you so much Shaquita for that advice network 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 it's so important for you to build relationships because those relationships could turn into opportunities for the future and next we have miss patrice gaines miss gaines what college or colleges did you attend your majors your degrees tell us all about your strategies for college success I was kind of, I like the, I'll speak to the non-traditional student, the student who has to work or has a family and has to go to school part-time because most of my life, that was me. I was a single mom and went to a community college and then uh, got fellowships and scholarships. I went to the University of the District of Columbia for undergrad. I got a fellowship to the University of Michigan to work on the master's in fine arts and creative writing and also um, went for one year for another master's in fine arts and creative writing to Warren Wilson College. So being that person who had to juggle, you know, uh, work and family um, responsibilities, I would say that it's really important to be able to to plan and look at all of that, to have a plan, how are you going to, and have a good major support group. Um, if you're a single mom, you know, you've got to handle uh, the child child care and if you're you know got a family just the responsibilities at home but it's really important to have a great circle of supporters that are going to be there to to uh, you know just to to help you do all of those activities so I'd say plan and have a good support group that is great advice make sure you plan for your college career 
and develop a support network, especially for people who are non-traditional students. But I would also argue those traditional students need their support uh, uh, group as well. So thank you so much, Ms. Gaines. Thank you, thank you, thank you to uh, uh, Shaquita Lockley and Ms. Patrice Gaines for joining us on the Empowerment Zone. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song, NADWorks, digital support, and of course, our featured guest. 